The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Good afternoon, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. I'm Brian Kent, NFL, Paulus Fanatic underscore pick. And we are joined here by Jake Hefner of the LAC Unleashed podcast. Follow him, Jake T. Hefner. That's H-E-F-N-E-R on Twitter as well. He's got a lot of great stuff going on over there. Jake, thanks for joining us here. Absolutely, Brian. Thank you for having me. You bet. So uh, before we get into it, I've got to say that um, the only thing, and this is not trash talk, the only thing more than being more frustrating than being a Dolphins fan over the last 20 years, especially over the last five years, has to be being a Chargers fan. And I'm not trying to talk trash. It's that I look at this roster in the middle of every single year. And it, at the beginning of the year, I'm thinking they have no business winning less than 10 games. And then in the middle of the year, the roster is completely wiped out. And this week, Joey Bosa on injured reserve still. Um, JC Jackson on injured reserve. Um, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, who they paid a lot of money to, Derwin James may not play in this game. I mean, it just seems to be every year. Yeah, it's this is definitely one of the most injury riddled seasons that I can remember for the Chargers. You know, normally you don't have a laundry list like this. Um, I haven't seen it in years. You probably have to go back at least four or five to see one that was this lengthy and this consistent throughout the entirety of the season. But, you know, I've kind of gotten off the injury train. You know, you kind of accepted it maybe in like week six to say like, okay, this is just the type of season it's going to be. Then it gets to the point where you can't use injuries as an excuse anymore. This is where coaching really comes into it because the good coaches are able to find the ways around the adversity. The good coaches are able to find, you know, just ways to win with the personnel that they have. This is where your coaching comes into play. Your coordinators come into play. Your player development comes into play. And unfortunately for the Chargers, you know, they, yeah, they're down a number of their top horses, but eventually you just got to say, look, screw it. We know that this is what we're going into battle with. This isn't a surprise and you need to figure out a game plan in order to try to come out with a W. So Brandon Staley here uh, after this is his second year, I believe as head coach of the team, is it second, uh, uh, second coach, second year. Yeah, head coach, that, yes. That's what I thought. Uh, so I know he's had some criticisms against him for time management and some, third and fourth and short decisions. Uh, how would you, ex- how would you, in addition to what you just said there, how would you categorize Brandon Staley as a coach at this point in his tenure? So this is an interesting question. Cause if you would have asked me at the end of last season, beginning of this season, I would probably have a v- much different answer than what I have for you now, because the whole perspective on Brandon Staley, Joe Lombardi has dramatically shifted. Um, I didn't mince words on our latest show 
earlier this week. Brandon Staley, while I still believe that he will be the head coach of the Chargers in 2023, and that's strictly just based off of what we know from the ownership with the Spanos family. They will always feel like, whether you go back to the North Turner days, the Mike McCoy days, the Anthony Lynn days, it always seemed like he was one year too long in their tenure. So just because of that, and then with Tom Telesco being the one that hired Brandon Staley, I don't think that they're going to blow up everything. But you do have to have your scapegoats, people that are held responsible for this. This is where the criticism of Joe Lombardi comes into play. But back to Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley has had a lot to deal with in his first two seasons. Um, You know, last year, it was always the criticisms, the fourth down plays, over aggressiveness, riding that fine line between being aggressive and being reckless. And now he kind of hasn't been doing that as much, but now he's had to just deal with these boatload of injuries, obviously his quarterback being injured, but still gutting it through all these, uh, these last several weeks, Brandon Staley, however, to me, his, I've, I've just been waiting to see that change in his philosophy. And I thought that the injuries were going to play a different type of role in that, whether it's player personnel that you go out and you make moves for when Joey Bosa went down, when Rashawn Slater went down, when any of these other guys went down, but he's decided to keep everything in house. And I think that his coaching philosophy just throughout this this entirety of this year has just always been about the same game plan. There's been plenty of times where he has not really adapted, even just in-game, from one half to the other. The third quarter has been absolutely brutal for the Chargers offensively this year. I think they average two points per third quarter. It's just absolutely ridiculous wow. in what they're able to put out there. So the third quarter has not been generous to the Chargers offensively, that's for sure. And that makes it tough to win games. So Brandon Staley's philosophy overall, there has to be some growing pains and lessons learned from adaptation, from player personnel going into this offseason. He's really going to have to take into account on what he's going to value for this team and what he can do to put his guys in position to win. And in terms of a game plan, you're, this is where I use the great example of the difference between Mike McDaniel and Brandon Staley. Mike McDaniel knows who his quarterback is, especially after Tua coming off of the concussion. And Tua has had an absolutely phenomenal year. But what is the main priority? You keep your quarterback upright, you still are able to stay efficient on your offense. If that means that Tua is just taking two steps drops and getting the ball out for 10 yards, if that's moving the pile, you know, the, the markers and you're putting up points, who cares at the end of the day? Yeah. This, this last week against the Raiders was arguably one of the worst coaching um, game plans I had seen in a long time because it was still Herbert throwing the ball 50 plus times, seven step dropbacks when you don't have your starting left tackle, your starting center, your starting right tackle. And at that point, your right guard had gone out for the game. That's not being responsible for your offense. Absolutely. And uh, so before we go back to the offensive side of the ball, we've, we've got to ask and, and address the elephant in the room on draft day, 2020, it was quite obvious it was going to be Tua Herbert or Herbert Tua to the Dolphins and Chargers at five and six. Who did you want at the time, and how do you feel about that now? You know, it's it's interesting because I 
I put out this poll to basically Chargers fan base. I kind of did a draft day thing where I took a bunch of post-its like Kevin Costner did. And I, and, you know, he wrote down Khalil Mack, no matter what. So all like the top five or six prospects that I, that everybody was looking at. And it was Isaiah Simmons. It was Justin Herbert. It was Tua. And I forget the offensive tackle that was coming out. That was that high in that class, but I wrote him down on there. And I basically said, which one do you want out of all of these? And believe it or not, majority of Chargers fan base at that point said Tua because everybody knew that Herbert was kind of hindered through the coordinators and everything like that, that he had gone through in his career at Oregon. He had a great showing at the Rose Bowl that year, but just from what we knew from Tua and Alabama, there were a majority of Chargers fans that said that they had wanted Tua at that time. And truth be told, I was leaning that way as well. But I've said it throughout the time since Justin Herbert has been the quarterback, nobody expected that 2020 season from Justin Herbert coming out. Absolutely nobody. And underneath those circumstances. So I'm totally fine now in 20, you know, hindsight being 2020, I'm fine with the moves that were made. And, you know, this whole battle that we go through, you know, who's the better quarterback? Is it Burrow? Is it Tua? Is it Herbert? They're all phenomenal. They all have different things to bring to the table. The difference between Tua and where Herbert stands right now has been Tua's part of a better organization with a better head coach that understands what he needs to do to win football games. I mean, when you look at both quarterbacks, and I I wanted Tua in the 2020 draft, and then fast forward a year later, and Herbert's winning rookie of the year or a candidate for rookie of the year, I started feeling a little bit differently. Um, so I think when you look at them now, they're, uh, I ask myself, if Justin Herbert were with the Miami Dolphins, would he be number one in quarterback rating? Would he be number one in yards per attempt? I don't know. That's a tough ask for any other quarterback. It depends really on the situation. But on the other side, you know, if Tua had both of his starting wide receivers wiped out, both offensive tackles, like, Herbert, I mean, would, would he have put up what Herbert's putting up this year, which is, you know, over 3,300 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions? I, I think that's a tough, tough ask for either side. So I, I, I think both quarterbacks have landed in a good spot here. And things have been different with the Chargers because, I mean, you look, since week one, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, as you know, have played a combined 30 snaps on offense. And they both might be back here this week. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a rough go for Justin Herbert um, in terms of his, having his supporting cast around him. His offensive line has just been going through so many different combinations because of injuries throughout the year. He himself coming back from his torn rib cartilage that he suffered in week two. You know, it's 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 definitely a gutsy performance. But, you know, when you have people that are out there that's trying to make these, these comparisons, I'm extremely happy for Tua because having to go through organizational issues the way that he went through and to not have those type of first seasons that Justin Herbert had people, people were questioning Tua coming into this year, even with the likes of Tyreek Hill and even what's what he did with Jalen Waddle last year. And I'm very happy for him that he has been able to come back with a vengeance and have the type of season that he's had. Now on the flip side, Justin Herbert started off very much faster than Tua did for his career. 2020 and 2021 were great seasons statistically for Justin Herbert. This year, he has had to face the most adversity that arguably he's ever had as a player, even going back to his college days in Oregon. And Unfortunately, from the Chargers standpoint, with when you take away two big weapons like that, this is where I was talking. This is where I was talking about earlier, where it's like, okay, we know Keenan's going to be out for an extended period of time. 
Then Mike Williams goes down. So, you know, you're not going to have him for an extended period of time. So what are you going to do offensively with these guys to try to put up points? Are they the same caliber as Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? No, but at the same time, guys need to step up and your game plan needs to shift a little bit differently. A lot of people don't aren't aware of this, but a lot of the times when both of these guys were out, the Chargers were only activating four receivers. And at one point, that fourth receiver was only playing for four snaps. So when you're only going with three guys, that becomes a very predictable offense for a defense to scheme up against. So it really has been feeling like Herbert has been playing with one hand tied behind his back in many circumstances. I can certainly understand that. And yeah, and with Allen and Williams missing so much time, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of Josh Palmer. You've seen, you've seen a lot of Gerald Everett. Austin Eckler's on pace for 120 catches. I mean, so it's, it's allowed them to – it allows them to get Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back, but also supplement them with the rest of the receivers. But they've got to put more receivers on the field for that to happen, it sounds like. Um, yes. On the offensive line here um, – we're recording this here on Thursday afternoon, so we're waiting to hear about the second day of practice. Um, obviously, Rashawn Slater goes on injured reserve very early in the year, replaced by Jermaine Salier. Um, and then you got Matt Filer at left guard, looks like a pretty good player. Uh, and then the last game, Corey Lindsley and Zion Johnson. Lindsley doesn't play. Zion Johnson, the rookie, uh, my understanding, leaves the game early. And um, yeah, I mean, over the last three games here, 14 sacks on Justin Herbert. What is the latest you're hearing on the offensive line? And if they get a few of these guys back, what do you think the impact's going to be? So as it stands right now, as of yesterday, Corey Lindsley still in concussion protocol. Trey Pipkins did not practice yesterday, still uh, nursing his MCL injury that he has been battling for the last several weeks. And, you know, Jamari Sarlier, who as a six round rookie stepping in for a guy like Rashawn Slater, you know, it's no easy task. You're never going to be able to measure up to that caliber of play, but he's had several games to where he has done very, very well. Matt Filer has had actually a more inconsistent season than he did last year. So he's been up and down when Zion Johnson has been on there in the, on the field as a rookie, he's been doing very, very well as, um, as, as the compliment in between Lindsley and Pipkins, but We'll see. We don't know what the uh, what the situation is going to happen. It may be a very similar offensive line to what Justin Herbert had to go against the Raiders last week. And that's the major matchup because the Dolphins have invested a lot in their defensive line. Drafted Jalen Phillips in the middle of the first round. Traded a first rounder for Bradley Chubb. Drafted Christian Wilkins in the middle of the first round. Zach Sealer's been playing out of his mind. Um, my opinion on this game is if they get Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back, and they manufacture protection there for Justin Herbert. I think the Chargers have a really good chance of winning this game. But that, to me, is the key matchup. That's a tall task to ask against this Dolphins defense. It really is. I don't know if Mike Williams is going to be back. He was limited in practice yesterday. We'll see how that ankle has been bothering him. The way that the injury reports have basically been for the Chargers this year and the indications that you get from Brandon Staley, because he doesn't really give too much detail in his updates is just, you never know. It's kind of a crapshoot at this point. They may not, I mean, it's, it leans more to them not playing than they, than they do play until Sunday comes along and you're like, Oh, okay. He's playing interesting to me. It's, it's still going to be a tall ask against this, this Miami defense. I mean, I know Tua and Hill and Waddle, they get all the attention because of the numbers and efficiency that they're putting up, but 
they're one of the better, more efficient defenses in this league. They can give Tua the ball back more. They can give him more opportunities. They can cause pressure, pressure. They can cause turnovers. So me personally, the way I'm going into this game, just from the outlook of the early injury indications, it's going to be a tough Sunday. <laughs> well, hey, on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, I mean, it's uh... – <laughs> Yeah, Chargers are, are three-point underdogs in this game. So, uh, it, it, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, almost a flip of the coin there, uh, according to Vegas. But, yeah, the matchups with the injuries, if it weren't for the injuries, it would be a completely different outlook on this game. I, I agree with you, and we'll talk about that in our predictions. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Derwin James mispractice on Wednesday with a, with a hurt quad. Uh, do you get a feeling about him one way or another? And if he's not there, it looks like Alohi – Gilman is going to be the strong safety. Uh, how does that change the defense? It dramatically changes the defense. You take out a center fielder like Derwin James. We saw what this defense was like when Gus Bradley was at the helm as a defensive coordinator when Derwin James wasn't playing, and it just seemed like the entire scheme just went absolutely nowhere. There was so much confusion. Uh, if Alohi Gilman is then elevated, I would also assume that the Chargers could elevate off the practice squad. I believe it's still Mark Webb that they still have on their practice squad. Um, I could be mistaken on that, but you talk about a very big mishmash of guys that you have with Nasser Adderley also injured, you know, nursing his own hand injury, Michael Davis, who's actually played very efficiently in the secondary for them. But now you'd start talking about guys like Jasir Taylor, DeAndre Leonard, first year rookies of this class. That could be a very rough sled, even with what the Chargers have back there with some big names. But Derwin James just changes the entire dynamic because as it stands right now with Joey Bosa being out, Derwin James has been one of your best ways to get to the quarterback in terms of getting pressure. So that would be a very big, yeah. that would be a very big loss. Apparently Derwin injured it in the Arizona game, still gutted it through during the Raiders game. So that is a good first indication. This may just be some rest time. Not that Derwin needs to practice that much, but uh, it'll be interesting to me if he misses this game on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, speaking of big names on your defense too, you know Khalil Mack. They trade a second and a sixth round pick for this off season. What has been the return on investment so far uh, with him? You know the investment started out extremely well, and through the first seven weeks, Khalil Mack was actually mirroring the numbers that he had last year in terms of getting either a half sack or a sack up until like the sixth or seventh week of the season. So it was basically almost a sack a week that he was getting. And then when Joey Bosa went down, everything changed. Every, everybody realized the biggest mistake that the Chargers made from a personnel standpoint is they went into this season with three edge rushers. They had Kyle Van Oy, who could be a uh, basically a hybrid between you know your inside linebacker, can be a third down edge rusher if need be, but the returns just haven't been there behind Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. They have yet to find another edge rusher as part of that group that any opposing offensive lineman is scared of. So they have just basically been double teaming Khalil Mack and the edge protection and edge rush has suffered since Joey Bosa has gone down. So the Chargers have had to get creative in their pass rush, whether it's bringing Derwin James off the, uh, off the outside, whether it's bringing Drew Tranquil up the middle on a, on a pressure blitz. And they can't do that every play, unfortunately, but, the Chargers defense has suffered tremendously both in the run game and the and the pass rush since Joey Bosa has been gone. Yeah, and I feel like I keep picking at scabs here, and I'm not really trying to uh, uh, as far as the Chargers defense, but it are really bad against the run this year. I mean, over yes. 5.6 yards a carry to opposing running backs. 
over six yards of carry to opposing starting running backs. I, I would imagine Joey Bosa has been a major reason for that. Uh, where do you point the fingers uh, as far as the run defense is concerned? Well, Joey Bosa, yes, is a big part of that because he helps sets the edge. So it's it's a big indication on what you can do from a run perspective, when whether or not he's in the game or not. But week three is what really started. And when he went down, you started seeing these rushing numbers of opposing offenses just climb against this defense. And that was when they had a healthy Sebastian dose of day. That's when they had a healthy Austin Johnson. That's when Jerry Tillery was still part of this roster. That's when you still had a healthy Tito Ogbaniba, who is your fifth round rookie this year. And the Chargers in a two week span, whether it was through releases or injuries, lost four interior defensive linemen. So it's not like they're gonna their rushing defense is gonna get any better from this point on throughout the rest of the season. It, there's been a lot of adversity that they have gone had to go through, a lot of things that they have had to battle through, and the the hard part about that was is that that's what you brought in Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson for was to plug up that run defense because it wasn't that good last year either. So they've got to find a way to just you're not gonna stop the bleeding but you've got to figure out a way to at least limit it. Yeah. And it's going to be fascinating to see how much the dolphins run in this game because the charges have been struggling on the ground, but the dolphins have been struggling running the ball the last two games or just flat out. Haven't done it. I mean, three games ago against the Browns, they have 195 yards on the ground the next week against the Texans. We think they're going to just eat them up and they only rush 26 times for 66 yards and then this past week, they run the ball eight times for 30 yards, the entire game, and a game that was pretty close the entire time until you got into the, the middle of the third quarter there. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, too. And, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of negatives here with the Chargers, but the, the crazy thing is Chargers are just three-point underdogs in this game, and if they beat the Dolphins, they go to seven and six, and they're only half a game behind the Dolphins in the wild card. So quite honestly, I mean, looking at the Chargers here with Justin Herbert and with all the talent they have coming back from injury, I, I twice as much want to stop the Chargers just to put them in the rear view mirror because I don't want, I don't want them to get in the playoffs here, you know, because I think they could be dangerous if they do and they get some players healthy. The Chargers playoff hopes right now are just hanging on by the thinnest thread. And, you know, the Chargers always are, even going back to the days of Philip Rivers, they they always do this where it's like there'll be a two or three game stretch of losses where they just look horrible. And then comes this opponent that everybody thinks that is just going to destroy them. And they end up pulling that one game out that they have no business winning and they end up coming away with a W. Normally, I would say that this feels like a game like that normally. But the Chargers have yet to beat a team with a winning record this season. And I see no indication just because of the injuries, because of the coaching philosophies, just based on anything changing. And against weapons like Tyree Kill, who the Chargers know very, very well, against the way that Tua is playing right now, against that type of a defense, I just can't see them climbing this mountain in order to get a win. So what is your score prediction here on this game? You know, I hope it's at least competitive because I would love to see this. It's on prime time. It got flexed for a reason. Seeing Justin Herbert and Tua is going to be is going to be great. No matter what the score is, I think it's going to end up being close at the end. Um, but I think that just the way that Miami is playing right now, again, you guys are in the thick of the playoff race. 
your, your health is great and your quarterback and your wide receivers are playing extremely efficient, efficiently, putting up a boatload of points. Uh, I'll have this one finishing 30 to 24 Miami. I'm going, I'll go 35, 27 Dolphins. I, I do think a lot of points are going to be on the board and it, it doesn't really seem to matter if the Chargers play really well or really poorly. It always seems to be within seven or eight points at the end of the game. I rarely do they get blown out or rarely do they do the blowing out. So I, I do think you'll see a lot of points. It's going to be a good game. We'll see how it goes. But uh, Jake, thanks for joining us here and, and making some time. We really appreciate the breakdown. Um, anything that you want to throw out there uh, for, for our listeners and, and where can we find you at? You know, it's always great coming on to these type of shows, love talking to opposing teammates getting or teams uh, podcasts like yours, getting the different perspectives of things, um, you know, Chargers Unleashed, Dan and I record at least twice a week. So uh, always are more lately are <laughs> very downtrodden post game shows. Uh, and then somehow we were able to create kind of an enthusiastic preview. So we have a fun time doing it. Love interacting with NFL fans all across every different team. Um, thanks so much for having me on, Brian. This has been a great combo. Absolutely. I follow him, Jake T. Hefner, and his uh, podcast is the LAC Unleashed Podcast. And that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins Chargers matchup and our opponent preview with Jake. I'm Brian Cat, NFL, Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Uh, be sure to follow us on Finn Fanatic and the Fan Sided Network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Finn side.